welcome to Church Experience Online. We're so happy you joined us today. As you watch this teaching video, if you have any questions or need help getting connected, please don't hesitate to reach out by phone or email. Also, our website is the best place to go if you would like to access helpful growth step resources, join a serving team, connect in a life group, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially by giving online. At the end of this teaching video, you'll hear one of our Church Experience Worship original songs, and we hope that gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned. Thanks again for joining us at Church Experience Online. Alexa, what's the definition of turnaround? Don't turn around, no, Alexa, Don't stop. Turn what's the definition of turnaround? I was addicted to the hokey pokey, but thankfully, no, no, I turned no. myself Alexa, around. Alexa, stop, please. What, what's the definition of turnaround? The definition of burning the ground is the combustion Alexa, or burning just in which substances stop. combine chemically with oxygen from the, the air. burning the ground. I would just like to know the definition of turnaround. The jump shot by a player facing away from the basket who turns towards the basket no, while not shooting. No, that definition. Would you like to hear no, more? you know what? I this really would This one is for you. I, I really would The definition wouldn't. of turnaround is to become changed for the better. You know what, Alexa? I've had it with you. There are several places around my house where I live here in Florida that you can see an alligator. And there's one park specifically that I will always go to, usually with my kids. And I can almost guarantee you that you will find an alligator in that spot. I know exactly where they go. I know where they hide. And I will almost always see a gator. But when you see gators on a regular basis, they can start to become familiar to you. But no matter how familiar they become, never lose your respect for the gators. Never get too comfortable around an alligator. Here. Gator hunters with a big gator that's 40 or 50 years old is not going to swim up and eat nothing dead that he's not concerned, you know, well, they're concerned about it. If he's not 100% sure of what it is and why it's there, he's not going to fall for that. I'm going to have to ease down and push my way off of this bank to get away from this dude. You reach out and slap him, can't you? Uh, if I wanted to, yeah. <laughs> Were you nervous? <laughs> yeah. what they said afterward they, they just about died and someone's like hey did you get that on Facebook live <laughs> unbelievable <laughs> unbelievable wow see there's a danger in getting too comfortable around something that is powerful 
there's a danger. And God's word, God's word is powerful. And some of us have got familiar with it because we have a couple Bibles laying around our house. Maybe we grew up hearing it. Maybe we've been sitting in a service for a lot of years and, and it can just become too familiar to us. But never lose your respect for the power of God. The Bible says that it's, it's living and active, God's word. It's, it's, it's alive for us. It says in Romans chapter 10 that, that we gain faith through hearing God's word. I mean, I'm so glad that our church is a Bible teaching church. Did, did you know that it, that it says in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that all scripture is God-breathed? Imagine that. The Bible is, is God-breathed. The, the breath of God on these pages. It's, it's his words to us. From the very mouth of God is, is powerful. It's powerful. Well, faith comes from hearing, and I'm hoping that as you hear the word of God today and throughout this teaching series, that God's word will become alive and active in you, and it will grow your faith. And that you, you will see a faith increase in your life, faith for whatever turnaround you're trying to make. That you'll see faith grow for moving those mountains. Faith for praising God through the pain in your life. Faith to give God glory for all the victories in your life. My, my belief is that as you hear God's word, is that that turnaround that you've been praying for, that it will come. And you'll have faith to experience it maybe freshly for the first time. We're in a new way, maybe that you've never experienced before. Well, today, if you want to power on your Bible or open it up to Luke chapter 5, there's an amazing story in God's Word that is going to be a faith-building faith story for you and I today. And, and I'm so excited about this because I think that some of us, maybe when we came in here today, maybe we had enough faith to show up, but we need a little bit more faith in our life to, to really grow us up. We got, we got faith to get started, but we need some faith to really help us mature and push through some of the adversity in our life right now. We're trying to make turnarounds. We're trying to make some changes. You know, what's, what's the one change that you would love to see happen in your life? You know, if you, if, you could, if you could just snap your fingers right now, what would that change be? Well, my prayer is that whatever turnaround you're trying to make in your life, as we get into God's word today, that the power of his word will wash over your life and grow your faith. That you can believe that God can help you in that turnaround that's going on in your life right now. Well, Luke chapter 5, this amazing story begins this way. One day Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of the law were, were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. So there's these religious leaders all around assessing Jesus, analyzing his words. Do we cancel this guy? <laughs> you thought the cancel culture was a new thing. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus had his haters too. Now they're assessing him. You know, the other day one of my, my kids ran in. I was actually preparing to preach and I had my, my headphones on. And they could tell that I was trying to focus and they're being crazy, trying to mess with me and distract me. Well, I could hear my worship music playing real loud in my headphones, and they're dancing around trying to get my attention. I finally took my headphones off, and they're like, hey, you couldn't even hear me, could you? And, and I knew what they were doing. I said, well, that's the whole point of noise-canceling headphones is to cancel your noise. <laughs> you know, some of you just need to, to cancel the noise in your life. 
You need to delete that app. You need to change the station. You need to recognize that Jesus was perfect, but he, he still had noise in his life. And here the, the religious leaders are analyzing if, if he has enough or if they're going to cancel him. And it goes on in verse, verse 18. It says, some, some men came, came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat, and they tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. Jesus is teaching here in this home, and it's, it's packed, it's crowded, can't even get in the door. And, and the, these men show up with a friend of theirs who's lying on this mat paralyzed. He's in need of healing, and, and the word has spread that Jesus is a great healer. And so they've ever had hope. There was hope on this day when Jesus showed up in their town that their friend could actually be healed. All they had to do was get him to Jesus. By the way, that's still true of your friends and mine today. The best thing that you can give them is to get them to Jesus. Get, get them here to church with you and, and sit next to me, and I'll go out to lunch with you afterwards. Man, you got, you got to get here with me. Or come, come out to Starbucks with me. I want, I want to share some things with you that God's been doing in my life. You know, the best gift you can give to somebody you love is your relationship with Jesus. And so they, they literally have a friend who cannot get to Jesus on his own. So they pick him up, and they carry him. They carry him to Jesus. And, and you know, what, what an amazing image of what the church should be. They're carrying the burdens of their friend, literally. They're literally carrying him because he can't do it on his own. You know, I asked you a little bit ago, what was that thing that you would like to change in your life? What's the thing that you would love to see a turnaround happen in your life? You know, wh where would that, that significant change occur if you could change anything? I just want you to know it's okay to get help in that area. That thing that you're struggling in silent desperation in, trying to change on your own, that habit, that mountain you're trying to climb, whatever it is, listen, you don't have to fight that battle alone. This is what the church is for. This is the beauty of God's church. And so we carry each other's burdens. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 God's word commands us, carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. It's okay to carry each other's burdens. And that's what these friends were doing. They, they knew that they could not fix his problem. He was a paralyzed man. They could love on him, they could encourage him, but they could not fix his deepest problem. But they knew somebody who could. They knew that they could just get him to Jesus then Jesus could solve the problem. By the way, you can't fix all of your kids' problems. There's so much you can do to, to teach them and encourage them and dress them and get them to a good school. There's so many things you can do to feed them and protect them from evil influences. You have a lot of responsibility if you have young children in your life. But there's some things that you cannot control and you cannot do alone. There's a problem of brokenness deep inside every human soul. And it's a problem of sin. And only Jesus can fix that problem. So there's some things in your friends' lives, in your family's lives, your parents' lives. You, no matter how, how good of an example you are, no matter how many things that you say or do, you can't in your own power fix that problem. But you can make an introduction to somebody who can. And these friends knew that if they could just get their friend to Jesus... He could solve the problem inside of them that they could, not, they could not solve. See, Jesus was the solution. It wasn't 
a solution that's needed. You know, we live in a world of quick fix. If I could just get out there and get that next thing, if I could just find the solution, and the solution is not out there somewhere. It's, it's, it's in someone. It's in Jesus. Jesus is the solution. And they knew that, and so they, they took their friend to Jesus because most big turnarounds in life, if they're going to be successful and sustainable over time, most big turnarounds happen in, in community. And for us as believers, they, they happen with other believers that we've locked arms with. Others to teach and instruct us. Others to encourage and support you as you try to make that turnaround. Others to hold you accountable or call you out when needed. Others to carry you to Jesus. See, here's the lesson. Write this down. The weight of a turnaround is carried best by a group. The weight of a turnaround is carried best by a group. Don't try to do a turnaround all by yourself. If you need help, reach out to that Christian counselor. Church Experience partners with a great organization called Winning at Home, and they offer discounted counseling services. So if you just tell them you're from Church Experience, we have a whole scholarship fund set up there. If you, if you can't afford it, we'll take care of it. Listen, they can do Zoom, phone call, just reach out, get help. So whether it's a pastor, a Christian counselor, a good friend, a parent, open up. Don't, don't try to do that turnaround all by yourself. You need help. Reach out and get help. Turnarounds, the weight of turnarounds are best carried by a group. I had a problem the other day in my vehicle. I was so excited because whenever I get in my vehicle to go on a drive, and I had to drive that day, uh, it's a good time for me because I can make a phone call to somebody I care about. I can turn on some worship music. I can listen to a podcast or the Bible app. I have all kinds of things I can do on my commute, and so I, I enjoy that time. But on this specific day, I had a problem because when I, when I linked up to the sound system in my vehicle, it wouldn't work. And I started pressing every button I could press on my vehicle. I'm, I'm in the menu hitting every, every option. I'm changing every setting, trying to figure out a way to get my iPhone to connect to my vehicle. But it, it won't link up. I can't do it. I, I don't know what the problem is, but I try and try. And I finally, I just got to go. So I'm driving down the road in silence. It's like, come on. And I, I try again over the course of a few days. I still can't get it figured out. And that's just kind of existing now on my drives. I'm just kind of letting it go. I can't link up my phone. So all the things I used to enjoy in my, my vehicle, I'm, I'm disappointed, honestly, because I really enjoy that time. But now, now I can't do any of the things I love to do. I'm honestly disappointed. And I think maybe something's messed up in the settings of my vehicle. And, and then a while after that, my, my wife gets in the vehicle with me for a trip we're on, and, and she connects her iPhone in, and, and all of a sudden the music comes on. I'm like, how did you do that? I'm like, hey, hold on, disconnect yours. I want to link up mine and see if it'll work. And, and I link up my phone, and sure enough, it won't work. I'm like, what is wrong with, with, what is wrong with the connection? Well, my son takes my phone, and, and he gets on there, and he changes one setting. Right? He messes with one setting on my phone, and instantly the sound comes back on the sound system in our vehicle. And I was so excited because I had been missing that. I had I, I have been missing it so bad. And, and this 13-year-old, everybody needs a 13-year-old in their life, right? Like if you can't figure it out, ask a teenager. They'll, they'll help you figure it out. But, you know, I had been messing with every setting on my vehicle. But it just took the eyes of somebody else to look at it from a different angle. It's not the vehicle. It's not any of those settings. It's your phone. You just got to change this one thing on your phone, this little slider, just, just hit this and you're good and problem solved. Somebody might just see your situation from a different angle than what you see it at. 
And, and they, might, they might be able to provide some insight or some encouragement. Hey, have you ever thought about this? Hey, I'm going to pray for you on that. Hey, if you need me, just call me anytime. See, the weight of turnarounds are best carried by a group. They're best carried in, in community. Don't try to do a turnaround by yourself. Luke chapter 5, going back to this story, these men, they carry their friend to Jesus, and then look what happens, verse 19. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, meaning they, they couldn't get in, they couldn't get to Jesus. It was so packed, shoulder to shoulder, then there's no way they're carrying the stretcher in there with, with their friend on it. Just, it's just not going to happen. They're not going to get through. When they realized this, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Man, I love these guys. <laughs> I love these guys. Like, who was it that was like, you know, which friend, right? Which friend was it that, that looked and was like, man, we came this far. We're not going back. Hey, look, look, up that way. And then they point to the roof. And all the other guys are like, hey, why not? Let's go. I mean, don't you, doesn't everybody want friends like that? Friends that would do whatever it takes? You know, I think to really appreciate what was going on here, we need to kind of look at how these homes were, were situated. Here, here's an image of, of some homes in Darsamet, south of Jerusalem. And you can see a typical Palestinian roof here. If you look at closely at this picture, they would have flat roofs. Uh, often it had external staircases to get onto the roof. Maybe a ladder to access the roof. And, and this was pretty common. And now, now that you've got an image of what a, what a common Palestinian home would have looked like, and you can kind of picture that flat roof with the, the staircase outside of the building, Jesus inside, the, the place is packed full, people standing outside the door, nobody could get in, so they climb up on the roof. Now I want you to hear that verse again from Mark's gospel. Mark chapter 2, verse 5. It says, they made an opening in the roof. They... they <laughs> they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat. <laughs> they dug a hole, and I just love that, how, how Mark uses that phrase, they, they dug through the roof. I mean, they're just pulling off roof tiles. They're, they're digging through this thatched roof. They're, they're digging in and looking down on this crowd, and they're all looking up like, what is happening, right? Like, what is happening right now? But these friends, man, they're incredible. Now I know somebody here is thinking, well, man, I wish I had friends like that. My friends would have seen the packed house and they would say, well, sorry, you're on your own. They probably would leave me right there by the door and be like, good luck. And they, they would have peace. You know, I'm out. It's like, that's, the kind of, that's the kind of friends I have. My friends wouldn't have fought for me like that. They, they wouldn't have fought through the crowd. They wouldn't have climbed up on the roof. They wouldn't have dug through those tiles to lower me down to Jesus. They'd just kind of leave me there. Maybe you feel that way. There's a little town, Rajuka, Norway. Small, tiny little mountain town. This little town from September to March every year, because it's surrounded by the mountains, this little town gets not a single ray of sunlight. For six months, from September to March, every year, not a single ray of sunshine in Rajuka, Norway. Not, not a single ray of sunshine. Well, it was back in 2013 that some people in the town came together and they placed three large mirrors up on one of these mountainsides. And those large mirrors now reflect the sunshine during those dark months right down onto the town square. And it was an ingenious idea, but the idea is that we need some sunlight. And the only way to get the sunlight is to put up these mirrors to reflect the sunlight down into our city. 
you know, mirrors are pretty amazing things. They don't do a whole lot in themselves. They just reflect what they see. In this case, they reflected the light. And if you're saying, well, I don't have the kind of friends I wish I had in my life, did you realize that the friendship is often like a mirror? Friends are often like a mirror. You know, you attract who you are. If you're a good friend to others, you'll probably over time have some good friends in your life. Now, there's always exceptions to this, and I know some of the people that you're close to, that doesn't mean as big, how they are as, as who you are. That's not, I'm not saying it's always exactly like that, but what I'm saying is, is if you want to have good friends in your life, then you got to first be a good friend. Because your friends will over time reflect who you are. So if you're the kind of person to serve others and go out of your way for others, then you'll have people around you that will go out of their way to help you when you're in need. If you pray for your other friends, they will, they will pray for you over time. You'll, you'll see it happening. If you have friends that you deeply care about, that you genuinely love, and, and they can tell that they're loved, you'll have friends that genuinely love you. See, friendship is a mirror. It's a mirror, and it's so refreshing to see this story in the culture that we live in after the year that we have had where there's been so much division, there's been so much fighting with each other about everything. There's been so much fighting and division. But what these friends figured out is we have to stop fighting with each other and start fighting for each other. Write that down, but more importantly, get it in your heart. We have to stop fighting with each other. And we have to start fighting for each other. Somebody's marriage is going to change today if you get that lesson in your heart. We have to stop fighting with each other. We have to start fighting for each other. We need a common vision. We need to work together. We have to fight for each other. Some friendships are going to change when you get this figured out. We have to fight for each other, not against each other. See, God has given us the gift of companionship in life. First and foremost with him and then with others. Because we're not meant to fight alone. We're not meant to fight alone. Now, in order to fight for somebody, you have to know what you're fighting for. And if you want to exist in shallow relationships, then you don't ever share anything that's going on in your life. Don't, don't share any of the battles going on in your life. And, you'll, and you'll, you'll be happy in your shallow relationships. But, but once you realize that that's not enough and that you need somebody there to really carry the weight with you, then you're going to you're gonna have to at some point open up and you're going to have to share the weight of your dreams with them. This is what I'm dreaming about. You're going to have to share the weight of your burdens with them. The weight of the season that you're existing within. Like here's the weight in my life. Now you can't put all that weight on your friends all the time because you'll crush those relationships. That's not what they're made for. God wants to carry that weight and your, your relationship with him is first and foremost. And as healthy as that relation is, it's going to spill out into your other relationships. But people who are not walking closely with Jesus and they don't have anyone in their life, they, they tend to just kind of dump all their stuff on all their friends all the time. Now, all of us need someone some of the time where we can share our burdens and it can, it can get messy and it can get real and it can get raw. Listen, like if you don't have that, you're missing out. It's okay to open up. It's okay to share your scars and your wounds. Even when you feel like you're bleeding out, it's like, come on, I just got to tell somebody. It's okay to do that. But if you're not walking closely with Jesus and pouring your heart out to him and confiding in him and allowing him to carry that burden with you, then, then what's going to happen is you're going to put all that weight either in one of two places, all on yourself and it will crush you, or you're going to put all of that on the people in your life and it will crush them and a lot of times turn them away. Man, this person's so needy. They're always, man, they always need something. Something's always going wrong. How are you doing? I'm doing terrible. Again? That's like, 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 that can't be like that every time. Now, there's seasons that we go through, absolutely. Might even last many months. 
That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying you have to learn to bring that weight to God and let him help you carry that weight. And you also have to open up to others. You have to open up to others. See, weight is best carried within a, within a group. We've got to fight for each other. Since you can't know what you're fighting for in your friend's life until they open up. And your friends can't fight with you until you open up and tell them what you're really struggling with, what's really going on in your life. So, so take a risk. Take a risk. You'll be pleasantly surprised. In most cases, you open up to the right friend and, and listen, they, 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 will, they will join that battle with you. So how do I start doing this? Well, one of the best ways to fight for our friends is, is to start praying for them. It was William Law who said, there is nothing that makes us love a person more than praying for them. You also have to take the initiative to engage. We have life groups here at Church Experience, and these are, are, are gatherings, clusters of people who have, who have committed to fight the battle together of life together, to, to come alongside each other, to encourage each other, to serve each other. See, this is, this is the beauty of being in community with other believers is, is that you don't have to carry the weight alone. Well, let's go back to our story in Luke chapter 5, down in verse 20. Something amazing happens. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. See, faith gets God's attention. And faith is what precedes miracles. You want to see miracles in your lives and the lives of people you care about? It begins with faith. It begins with faith. So they saw the faith of, of these friends. They saw the faith of, of this, this individual that was seeking help from Jesus. And that faith caught the attention of Jesus. It caught his attention. The Pharisees and teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Why did they say that? Because Jesus, when he saw their faith, he said this amazing statement. He said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. And they, they're thinking. They don't even voice it. They're thinking, this Jesus guy, this teacher, we, we think he's a good teacher, but he just, he's committing blasphemy. See, blasphemy was a big deal. It could sentence you literally to death. Blasphemy was misusing, misrepresenting the name of God, his authority, uh, in some way twisting and misusing the, the name or the authority of God. And here he's assuming the role of what only God can do, and that's forgive sins. And here he's saying, your sins are forgiven. And they're thinking, blasphemy. This is worthy of death. In fact, the people who heard him say, your sins are forgiven. Although they were shocked to see this person descend out of, down through the roof, they most likely would have been more shocked to hear Jesus say the words, your sins are forgiven. Because that's how big of a deal it was. Literally, they put somebody to death for that, for blasphemy. Yet that's exactly what Jesus says to him because of his faith. And then in verse 22, Jesus knew what they were thinking. And he asked, why are you thinking these things in your heart? You know, this is one of the, the, the cool glimpses that you can see into the divinity of Jesus. He was fully God, fully man. The humanity and the divinity all wrapped together in this beautiful package. And you see the divinity of Jesus here in, in three things. He knows their thoughts. He knows their thoughts and he forgives sin. You'll see that he goes on to heal three things that, that God can do, that man alone cannot do, and, and Jesus does those three things in this, in this story. And, and listen, this, this faith that this man had to come to Jesus, this is really what this whole story turns on. 
the faith of this, this man and these friends to come to Jesus knowing that he's the solution of what it is that, that he needs in his life. It's, it's Jesus. It's faith in him. That's where the healing is. That's where the miracle happens. It's in Jesus. Now, a good question begs to be asked if Jesus knew the thoughts of these religious leaders who were starting to accuse them in their, in their hearts of, of blasphemy. Then that means that he knew about this paralyzed man that was approaching the house that was in need of healing. And then he was outside and he couldn't get in. So, so Jesus, why not stop your message and have everybody split the crowd and, hey, let, there's somebody that just arrived that needs to come in. Why not do that? Why, why let him go up on the roof and do all the work of digging through the ceiling and lowering him down? Why all the, why all the theatrics? Why? Well, we, of course, we don't know for sure, but you can imagine that, that part of the reason why Jesus allowed this is because it was an expression of their faith. See, when you express faith to God through your worship, through your giving, through your sacrifice, through how you serve him, whatever it is, when you express your faith to him, it's not that you're informing him of something that he doesn't know. You're including him in the journey. He's allowing you to be included in the miracle. He's allowing you to express your faith so that when the miracle happens, your faith that was expressed through your action actually allowed you to be a co-worker with God. It allowed you to be included in the miracle. So they fight through the roof and you might need to fight through some storms. You might need to fight through some battles. You might need to fight through some, some slumps in your life and some, some valleys. You might need to fight through that for your friend, for your child, for your parent. You might need to fight through those times, but as you do it, you're expressing your faith. Jesus, I'm not giving up because I believe, I still believe that you are a God of miracles. And I'm in need of a miracle today. And their friend who was paralyzed, he was in need of a miracle. They couldn't do anything for him, so they brought him to the feet of Jesus. Well, Jesus knew what they were thinking. In verse 23, he says, verse 22, why, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, and he, and he took what he had been lying on, and he, he went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. What an incredible story. Jesus, with his words, heals this man's problem, a problem that he had been carrying for years. He'd been carrying this problem. Nobody else could fix his problem, but Jesus, with a word in a moment, solves the problem in a way that nobody else could. It was through his faith. It was through the miraculous power of Jesus in his life, and things changed forever. See, Jesus has the power to change your situation. It's the power of Jesus that can be real in your life. You know, he said here, you may have heard that phrase, he said, the Son of Man. He referred to himself as the Son of Man. That was Jesus' favorite phrase that he used. Literally dozens of times throughout the New Testament, you'll see Jesus referring to himself as the Son of Man. What does that phrase, the Son of Man, actually mean? It, it actually means a few things. One, it expressed his humanity, his humanness. You can see the humility of Christ when he expresses it. You can also see his divinity wrapped in that title. He wasn't just a man or even a son of man. He was the Son of Man. He, in, in fact, 
As one, as one person taught, they said, you know, Jesus, he was the supreme example of what God intended mankind to be. Whereas God's word says it in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Jesus, when he says the son of man, he's saying something about who he is. Because God came down in the flesh for you to walk among us, to, to be the perfect example of, of sinless perfection. What you and I could never attain on our own, Jesus attained for us so that when he died on the cross and he paid the sacrifice for our sins, yours and mine, that we could receive his, his right way of living, his righteousness, his sinless perfection can be a covering for us when God looks at us, to no longer see us in our sinfulness, but he sees the Christ in us. What an amazing and transforming and powerful thing. You know, it's amazing that this man's legs were healed. He was paralyzed, and what an incredible gift. But he would still die one day in his body. But your soul, your spirit, Jesus came to do a miraculous healing inside of you that will last far longer than your body. And, you know, Jesus was really, in some ways, this whole story is foreshadowing what would eventually happen because there would be a time when Jesus was on trial before the, before the great Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council, and the high priest would ask him if, if he is the, the Messiah, the proclaimed Messiah, if, if, he, if he is basically the, the king. And he, and he would say, you know, it is, it is how you say it is. You know, basically, he confirmed it. And one of the ways he confirmed it was through referencing Daniel, a prophecy about the Messiah. And he used that phrase again, the son of man. And at that, when he said that, because that would have been considered blasphemy. If you read the story, right before Jesus' crucifixion, the high priest tore his clothes. And he said, you've heard it yourself, blasphemy. And they started punching him and striking him and spitting on him. And eventually this led to his eventual crucifixion and his death for you. Because he claimed to be what they couldn't allow in faith. They couldn't allow themselves to believe that this was actually God in the flesh. That the God whose name we, can, we can't even say in, in a way that would be disrespectful without, without the threat of death. That this, this person would claim to be God. It can't be. The, the God of the universe that would come down and allow himself to live in, in the flesh and, and to die. That no, can't be. And they couldn't believe it. They didn't have the faith to believe it. And they put him to death and he died willingly for your sins and mine so that there can be an internal healing, an internal, listen, an internal healing, an internal turnaround in your life that cannot be accomplished in any other way because there's something inside you and I that can only be fixed through the power of Jesus and his life and death on the cross and his resurrection. Well, as we wrap up this story, there's another story I want to share with you, a story that has been one of my favorite war stories of all time. It's a story of two men who enlisted in World War I together. They enlisted together. They became good friends fast. and They trained together. They were shipped overseas together, and they fought together. But in one battle, and the fighting was fierce, one of the two friends was hit and mortally wounded, and he was lying out on the battlefield, and, and his other friend instinctively got up to, to go get him and save him. But the sergeant restrained the friend and said, no, don't do it. He, he's, he's, he's not going to make it. And with as heavy as crossfire as there is in the barbed wire, there's no way that you will get to him and not be shot and killed yourself. You can't do it. But he said, I have to go. And he, he brushed his arm aside and he ran out onto the battlefield for his friend. He reached his friend and 
brought his friend back, but by the time, just a few minutes later, he got back into the foxhole and crashed into this, this hole, his friend was already dead, and he had been mortally wounded himself through gunfire. And his sergeant looked at these two men, equally inspired but also frustrated at the, the wasted life, and he said, son, that was, that was a waste. I told you not to go, and he said, no. With his last words, he said, sergeant, it was not a waste because... When I got there, he was still alive, and he said, I knew you would come. I knew you would come. Jesus saw you in your sin. And as it says in Romans chapter 5, while you were in your sin, Jesus came and died for you. He couldn't leave you bleeding out on the battlefield of life. He had to come, and the only way was to give his life for your life. And he did it willingly, not just for you, but those you care about. For your kids, your parents, your friends, the people that you work next to and live by. He did it for them because he cared for them and he came and he gave his life so that they could find life. So that you could find life. It is the greatest story of all time. Nothing more important has happened on planet earth than the sacrifice of almighty God who came down in the flesh. And went through all the pain and persecution and eventual execution. And he did it willingly. He could have snapped his fingers in a moment. And a legion of angels would have come down, finished the job. But he said, no, I'll do this willingly. It's not my will, Father, but yours be done because I, I love them and I love you. And, and he did it for you. That's the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. It's available for you today. If you've never received it, you can do it today. You receive it into your heart and life, just asking for the forgiveness of your sins. And for many of us, we've made that step. But today is a reminder of the power of Jesus to turn around a life to turn around a story, to turn around a family, to turn around a church, to turn around a community. That's the power of Jesus. Come on, can we clap our hands to that today? It's good. That's the power, the power of Jesus. And before we close this message, I, I just have to read that last verse one more time because it's something I don't ever want to forget. They saw the power of Jesus. This man was healed like no one else could heal him. Imagine the friends that brought him there I don't know if they're still up on the roof looking down and dancing up on the roof or they've come down and joined the party. But, but man, this, this friend of theirs was broken. He's now whole. He's, he's been healed. And, and look, everyone was amazed. Verse 26, everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe. And they said, we have seen remarkable things today. We have seen remarkable things, and I love that word, remarkable. It's remarkable when Jesus goes to work and turns around a life. When Jesus goes to work and he turns around a home. When Jesus turns around something inside you or around you, see Jesus' power to bring about a turnaround. It's unparalleled. It's unmatched. There's nothing like it. It's remarkable, and my hope and prayer for our church, my hope and my prayer for your life and the, and the lives of the people that you care about is we will see in the days to come, remarkable things. Remarkable things that could only be accomplished through the power of Jesus working inside of us. Right on. God, I thank you so much for the opportunity we have to gather together today and to worship your name. To praise you, Jesus, for being the miracle working God. The way maker, the one who makes a way when there is no way. And right now in this moment, Jesus, I pray on behalf of the person who's heard this message and, and, and they're seeking you, God, for faith to have a turnaround happen in their life. God, they're seeking you for faith, for a turnaround in someone that they care about. 
God, they're asking in faith for a turnaround of their situation that seems impossible. God, it's loneliness, it's fear, it's doubt, it's need. We call out all the needs, God, that may be represented in their life today, the unspoken needs, but we're believing, Jesus, that you have power over every need. You're the miracle-working God. And Jesus, in the same way that you brought a miracle into the life of this man who had no other hope, Jesus, we declare today that we have no other hope. Without you, we have no good thing. But Jesus, with you, we have everything we need. And Jesus, I do pray for healing for the one who's heard this message today and they're praying for their body or they're praying for the health of someone they care about. They're praying against that cancer. They're praying against, for an extended life for someone that they know, clarity of mind for someone who might be losing it to dementia or some other disease. God, we're praying for healing with them. But God, even if, even if, even if you choose not to answer in the way we ask, in faith, we still believe that you are a miracle working God. We still declare that you are in control today, that you are still on your throne and you are still good and you still love us. So Jesus, today we ask for faith, for increased faith to believe that Jesus, your, your power is still alive and active and available to us today, power to make it through another day, to see another turnaround. And we believe and we ask for that today. Jesus, it's in your name we pray, amen. Thanks for joining us at Church Experience Online. Please don't forget to check out the website if you'd like to get more connected, learn more, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially. You're now going to hear a Church Experience Worship original song, and we hope this gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned today.